Welcome to the second video of the Night Below series, introducing the second book of the campaign, Perils of the Underdog. In this part, I will approach the guide from a different angle that I did on the previous video. The strategy the players might pick, how they make their descent into darkness more interesting, instead of a simple walkthrough of locations and monsters that they will encounter, as I did in the first part. Then, the story was open-ended due to the unknown factor of your players' backgrounds. Now things are a bit more straightforward regarding the roleplay and the hooks players might have created from the first book of the adventure. So, just to have an idea, I will tackle this book from the roleplay kind of approach. I will showcase, of course, the pathway the players must take, and the general threats they will encounter, but I will spend more time talking about the lore of the monsters residing in those areas and the ways you can take advantage of the hooks that have been planted in the previous books and the ones to follow. So, with no further ado, this is The Night Below, Pearls of the Underdog. A small recap for the people that have not seen the first video of the series. The group found their way to the area of Harensire and stumbled upon cases of kidnapped casters. With many many encounters and monsters in their way, they find out two bandit camps that they are in charge of the kidnappings. Killing them will grant them the two keys they need to open the orc door. That is the base of the orc tribe that provides the kidnappees to a more malicious creatures in the dark. Eliminating the orc threat, the players will find the entrance to the Underdark and the interesting race of deep gnomes called Zvirfneblin will approach them and ask them about their plans. The players will have to gain as much experience as possible to become strong enough to deal with the terrors lying below the surface. They will have multiple locations and hooks to pick and explore to expand their powers. It is up to them to choose their allies, if any at all, or deciding to kill all the unknown creatures that they will encounter in the darkness of the Underdark. The Deep Gnomes are allies like that, ready to provide many information and a safe house for the players to rest and recuperate just as long as they can prove themselves to the Gnomes. They hate to see the players being the reason their community underground will be destroyed by forces of the powerful enemies that lie below them chasing the players up to their doorstep. Hence, they have to pass the trials the gnomes will give them to deal with some threats around their base. The beauty of this adventure, as I have mentioned before, is the freedom the players have. Yes, the gnomes are great allies, but the players might decide otherwise. Hence, their base along with their burial grounds, a holy area covered in traps and treasure, lies open for grabs if they decide so. A difficult task, but not impossible, depending the time the players decide to spend on Harensire before they head deep into the darkness. Soon enough, the players either will gain a general map for the area if they decide to work with the gnomes, or they decide to map their own steps. Either way, this strategic map of the Underdark is a valuable tool for running the second part of this adventure. It can be seen as a hex scroll of a regular sandbox. In reality, you can superimpose a hexagram upon it using a version of the gnomes or simply deleting the tags yourselves and have your players use it as a guide for the deep caverns of this unholy place. Leaving clues and tracks that could be identified by trained players will give you a great exploration feeling of the unknown, stumbling to the wrong place, such as the Shadow Dragon or the Behir, for instance, on early levels might teach your players a lesson that scouting, being careful and even running when confronted with a powerful adversary will ensure they will have a fighting chance to complete this adventure and of course the future ones to follow. This map gives all the important encounters the group will have until they will reach their final destination of the City of the Glass Pool. 
It should be a no-brainer to them that clearing all of this place is the advised method. After all, they will see with their own eyes how the threats will become harder and harder. So being smart and sucking all the experience before they commit to a harder location should be deducted. Not to mention that all of the following locations hold powerful weapons, potions, gold and knowledge among with the powerful creatures attached to them, so obtaining them with one way or another is a really important goal for them. One of the first encounters the players will be asked to deal with if they decide to join the gnomes are the nearby troll. There are two communities of trolls that are in war with each other, the top nuts and the slaverers. Both trolls have their interesting ways of killing player characters, the first dragging them to a sinkhole, dropping them in and then throw huge boulders upon them, crossing them dead, and the second ones to drown the players with their own hands into the crayfish caverns. There is also a group of troglodytes that predates both of the trolls in the area. They are neutral with the gnomes and you can use them to create some interesting alignment experiments. Will a lawful good character save a pleading, weak and ready to die chaotic evil monster? Or will it bring the wrath of God to a non-combatant enemy? Hard choices like this makes the game spicy and your players always second-guess themselves with their decisions. Something I really enjoy, without a same, I must admit. The top knots are smaller in number, but more organized and led by a two-headed salmon that fuels them with magical strength, while the slavers are substantial more, but so unorganized that they can even kill each other at times. Troglodytes can be used as allies against either trolls. The group can use them as intermediaries to talk to the chosen side of trolls, they can learn about the strengths and weaknesses of each tribe that undoubtedly the trogs will know. They can approach the smaller troll tribe and work some solution out, perhaps help them out with their ongoing war and at the right moment turn against them, if they're not prohibited of course by the alignment. Or they can even find ways to guide the trolls out of the caves once the slavers are dealt with. There are plenty of locations on the eastern part of Hirensire that a troll tribe could have a home without threatening the civilization. The sky is the limit and the imagination of your players will propel really interesting stories. Dealing with the trolls will free the upper area of the caves that will give the players a relatively safe place to rest when needed. Random encounters lurk at every corner and the group must not get a false feeling that they are safe to abuse that of course. Moving on, deeper into the underdark, a grail nest is blocking their safe pathway that is connecting the deeper areas of the cave and the surface. The players can choose to bypass them and head deeper from a path that is filled with environmental dangers, but that will be a constant problem when the players want to reach the surface or even the gnomes. And especially if they're being chased, it will be a hell of a run back. Raisin rocks, wormholes, ledgeways will make the travel hell. If that is not a good reason for the group to clear the grails, the fact that they are keeping human beings as livestock might be enough. Given that Harensile has a fair number of people missing, adding some to the equation and having them here might not be a bad choice. By now, the players have already met many of the NPCs. Having some of them missing and found here is a way of leaving breadcrumbs all over the cave system that would lead your players to the final destination of the glass pool location. Now, especially if the group arrives at the lair and see humans being kept like animals, filthy and malnourished, ready to be devoured by the monsters, will definitely work charms in the predisposition of the group to deal with the tribe instead of bypassing it.
soldier, adult, philosopher, patriarch grills, along with huge cave eels and deep spawns, will be encountered here. Clearing the pathway deeper, the group will find themselves in the middle of a monster war. Some quagoths and hook horrors are constantly fighting each other. Given that both creatures are neutral, there is plenty of room to weave your story as you see fit. Having your players witness an ambush of, of the hooks against the band of quagoths, who have innocent children among them, is one way to set the pawns on the board. Causing enough damage to the ranks of the quagoths will bring forth their salmon, Thonat, to parley. And given the lore of the creatures, the players can easily turn them to their goals. They were, after all, semi-civilized hunter race that the terrors of the Underdark broke them. There is always a chance for a creature that lost its way to see the light again. Role-playing moments like that make this game so wonderful. In this encounter, there is a loose hook that can be used by game masters to create a masterful and deeper game for the players. In room 5, there is a specter that has been created when an evil thief was killed by the Quagoths and was teared limp to limp and thrown into the pool nearby. One of my players, also a thief, had added to his backstory that he became a thief because both of his parents were great burglars. Unfortunately, he never knew what happened to them, since on one of their expeditions they were gone and never returned. Having his mother become a specter and out of the blue seeing her attack his friends was an amazing addition to my game that blew the mind of my player. Add to the mix that he had to find a way to cleanse the bones of her fallen mother before she could kill his friends. And you have a great session all in all. Plus, you have a great hook for your future games. What exactly happened to his mother? Where is his father now? Did the beast of the underground had any hand in this too? Beautiful questions that will enhance your game exponentially if you put in the time to connect the dots. Getting into the end of their cave, the players will encounter a powerful Raksasa that is dominating the horror hooks. And here, the first intelligent weapon can find his new owner in the hands of a good allied player the Finslayer, a very important weapon for the players to find, a plus 3, plus 4 versus Aboleths and Drow, and plus 5 versus Koatoa. This thing was created to punish the underdog in a good ally and creature hands, and it will make a difference in the hard combats that will follow. Having a neutral good character that can use it and adding it to his backstory beforehand is a great way to prepare for this artifact. An ancestor that fought and died in the area centuries ago and his family relic lost for good, only to be found by the young adventurer that promised to locate it and reclaim it once and for good. Sounds like a great start for your up-and-coming star of this world. Entering the Smooth Caves, a location created by the Rock Seers, a brand new race of elves, the players will encounter an active antipathy spell repelling all gnomes and an 8 feet tall masterwork crafted elf statue holding a lifestone, an elven magical item that will provide protection against energy drain and death magic, and evil in general. This artifact will play a really interesting role down the line of the adventure, along with the Rock Seers that can be great allies if the players manage to convince them. The party might also find multiple gems and treasure among many Ropers, Zorns, Crystal Uzis and Storopers. The holder of the Lifestone, especially if it's an elf, will keep seeing a 7 feet tall pale elf coming out of the wall, looking at them quizzically and then returning into the stone leaving no clue behind other than the alteration magic in the area. It's a great RP moment, making the holder of the stone look like a crazy person constantly seeing people that they're not there, alarming the group 
for bogus pale creatures that stir him down. Moving on, a temple of Jubilex can be discovered, along with a couple of interesting creatures. Another Raksasa that has renegated and found shelter here trying to hide from his pursuers. The other Raksasa found on the hook horse is one of those pursuers, and a human wizard that bodged a teleport when he was enslaved by Illithids and he is still trapped down here. Both great roleplay opportunities for the players, both desperate and threatened, will not cooperate easily with a group they are both, after all, really powerful adversaries, but open up countless role-playing approaches for your players. The deranged human wizard will seek for magical items to use and leave this place, or perhaps a spellbook that will allow him to cast teleport or wings of flying to get out of here. He will not easily trust the players and conflict is more probable unless you have some convincing characters. You can also have him identify one of your players being a wizard and have him try to become a member of the party to gain some time and find find the best opportunity to grab the spellbook and leave. Leaving hints about the mental state of the wizard is a must to allow your players to identify the threat. Again, so many options, finding interesting ways to test your players is up to you. The Raksasa encounter, on the other hand, has more versatile range of options when dealt with. Since it has a strong illusion power and may present himself as an old man, a woman in need, a kid, anything. The Raksasa encounter can trick the player into saving him and gaining him into the surface. Those choices might start great adventures in the future, knowing that they released an evil, powerful creature to the area that they are trying so hard to save and eventually finding out the terrors that he unleashed in the new area that he occupies. Priceless moments. The Jubilex Temple is a great encounter on itself when all of the idols and pillars will animate and try to kill the players if they take anything from it. The deadliness of the caves are lingering on every bad choice your players will make. Still, there are some diamonds here that they are cursed. If the players keep it, they will start having slimy skin, and of course, having to deal with that sooner rather than later is imperative. Concluding the chapter, the players will have left the most devastating and interesting areas for last. This new chapter holds the bay here, Azuzir, and its arch-enemy, the shadow dragon Fundrich, along with the Roxir elves. The shadow dragon is a devastating encounter that most probably will kill the players if not thought out and prepared in depth. Still, the treasures are analogous to the deadly danger it poses and most players can figure as much, making it a sweet, sweet encounter they cannot resist. Azuzir can be found here an old and powerful Beher that is hating the new tenant of the next cavern that came 30-some years ago and disrupt his dominance. He still wonders why the dragon has not attacked him yet. He will fight the players, but there can be peace talks opportunities, if the players are smart or too powerful for him. In the treasure of the Beher lies a potion of good dragon control, and that is the reason the dragon has not attacked him. He senses there is some dragon controlling item, but he does not know it is only for good dragons. Hence, he is staying away, just in case. Using Azuzir to deal with the dragon will be a really hard thing to succeed for the group. But never say never, intelligent roleplay can do marvels. Still, not having to deal with the bay here and going fresh for the shadow dragon fight is a big victory in itself. Adding the treasure the players can get from the Behir and of course the information they can collect from him as well and slowly their preparation will be complete to deal with one of the hardest and most broken encounters of the book. The Dragon Cave is a great test of skills for your players, a breath weapon that covers 40 feet long, 30 feet wide and 30 feet high that blinds players and reduces to one-fourth of the current he dies per level one half on a successful safe versus breath weapon for 4d4 plus 1 turns. 
so that means that Thaco and hit points will adjust accordingly as spells of the lowest levels will be gone until rememorized. Oh, and the effect of the breath weapons are stacking. You understand that the players have two to five rounds at best to kill the beast. Lifestone here is a great magical item to have, since it would negate the effect on a successful save. Ignoring the devastating breath weapon, the dragon is a dangerous foe on its own. Aura of fear, magic resistance 35%, a 13th level castle at that. But as I said before, if the players manage to kill the beast, loads of XP and treasure will be theirs. But most importantly, you know that you have a great party to proceed down the darker paths of this adventure. Moving on on the map, the players will become witness on an amazing piece of an encounter. Following the path further south, the group will find themselves on a dead end. Elven Hans will appear from the closest wall to the person that is holding the lifestone and pulls him into the wall. Powerful magic protects those walls. Excluding a Wii spell, not much can be used to gain entrance to that area. And note that I have found as playing this part of this adventure. It sucks not to give your players a chance to evade this scene. I usually, on those cases, summon my D100 rolls. Out of nowhere, the wall becomes fluid and six sets of hands appear attempting to pull you in. Roll me a D100 and choose a 10% range. If he lands on his chosen 10%, I will have him be agile enough to slip out of the grasp in time. Introducing the elves later on the adventure can be arranged. Having a player sad for not having a chance to react will not. So from this part, the group will be separated. Getting into the holes of this new elf race, the holder of the lifestone will be impressed and Solar playing the situation. The important characters of the elves are Aljaira, the chieftain, and Darafayan, the wizard. If an elf player is abducted, Darafayan, who is part of the group that did the kidnapping, will be intrigued and bombard the player with questions for the surface elves. How do they live? Do they have empires? Who are their heroes? Etc. She will ask to see the lifestone. She will interrogate the players for the reasons he or she is here and based on the RP she will lead him on her chieftain. The chieftain will not be happy to see the intruder in their halls. The roleplay here is open-ended. Based on your players, there are many ways this can end. Most of the times the player will share the information and their plans heading to the glass pool. Finding the lifestone will lead to the chieftain making a ritual ensuring that it's not cursed and taking it from the player leading him into the halls to eat and rest under heavy guard. Promising the player will not reveal the Roxir existence is needed for the players to set free. Agreeing, the player character will wake up with a vague and haze recollection of what took place, like he was having a bad dream, except of the image of a glass dragon that was used to cast a spell that took his memory and cast it a quest spell. In his pocket, a spider sapphire of 10,000 gold pieces value. Regrouping with his friends and trying to explain what happened without breaking the quest spell is always a delight to witness. Bearing in mind that this separation might take roughly about a week, your players can have some free time to go to surface or generally explore their options regarding their missing friends. Returning to their main route, the players will pass the wormholes, where they encounter a purple worm that has devoured an illithid that wears a brooch that will help them later on inside the glass city. A first close encounter with a deadly creature like that. They will stumble upon a really difficult fight with a bunch of kidnappers that they are returning to the surface after they delivered their victims to the illithids. 
Keeping prisoners here will earn them good information about the Pool City, letting them leave will lead to a larger party coming back to find them and kill them. Every action down here bears a relevant reaction. So the group must think before deciding what to do each time, a lesson that will learn the hard way. And behold, the first fight with a real and alive Illithid is found here. Some Dero, along with a couple of Illithids, are protecting this area. The Mind Flayers attempt to send your players to unpleasant outer planes with plane shift attacks, along with their Mind Blast, it's a really scary and challenging fight. They must be won over to proceed to their last stop before their final goal, the Darrow Warren. There are two clans of Darrow that they are fighting. The largest clan serves the Kuatoa Elithid Alliance of the city of the Glass Pool. The Splinter group has defected from the clan and survives in another place. Keeping true to the theme of this adventure, freedom is everything. Killing all Darrow and moving on? Approaching the Splinter group of Darrow and help them against their war? With their constant lingering feel of backstopping, you cannot trust those monsters after all. The players can find amazing ways to approach the situation. Getting info from the enemy of my enemy, will that make him my friend? That is up for you to find out. Darrow will be able to assist the players if they are being helped with their war situation. Always bear in mind that alliances in this dark place are fragile. Accepting to help the deep gnomes means that Darrow cannot be allied. If so, the gnomes will be enraged. There is a thin line of dancing your players should make. Their skill in diplomacy must be in the front seat at all times. The renegade Darrow are a great source of information regarding this place. If you can gain their trust, something difficult since they are all, after all, chaotic evil, they will share some important information. There are multiple ways to earn some bits of their trust, bringing them back magical items, killing the other Dero they are at war with and bringing back their heads. If you can free some of the slaves that they are at the slave pens of their enemies, and of course portion of domination brought back to them to be destroyed. The main group of the Dero can be found here and among them there are some group of slaves where the players are awarded a hefty amount of XP if they save them or double that amount as a penalty if they leave them to die. That's 14,000 XP lost divided among your group. Hardcore and impressive at the same time. An amazing treasure will be found here, a sapphire dragon worth 100,000 gold which will trigger the lost memory of your player that was kidnapped by the Rockseer Elves. He still has the quest spell, preventing him to share the information, but at least he has a clear memory of everything that took place. This is by far the most difficult fight until now. A fest of magic attacks from Darrow on flying spiders, Illithids, Darrow savants will become the tomb of most players if not wise and well prepared to deal with it. Surviving it will encounter the Rockseer Elves that they have already sensed the presence of the Sapphire Dragon and they are on their way. If the PCs give it willingly to the Elves, they will teach them the great gift of mastering the magical flux points, which will allow the players to teleport without errors between them, making travel a bit easier in a place like this. And also, bathe them in really handy magical items, a must for your party. If not, the Elves will try to take by force or stealth enabling other role-playing encounters with your party to deal with. And that brings us to the last part of this adventure, the City of the Glass Pool. The city is really important for the players to gain access to the Sunless Sea below. They have to clear this place if they want to have a chance to return back to the surface unless they have earned the knowledge of the magical flux points. The players will have to do some hit-and-run raids 
on the city to inflict major damage. To do so, they have to destroy the statue of Bledopol. They have to slay the priest king and all three dukes of the city, and generally they have to destabilize the Kuatuan society. The game introduces social collapse points. Collecting a hundred of those points, the Illithids will abandon the city and retreat to the Sunless Sea. The city will be sealed off and the defenses mounting further down into the Underdark, leaving an abandoned city with some deranged gogglers who pose no threat to the players. There are many human slaves in the city. Finding ways to free them will be one of the major problems the players will have. Smart players can use all of their gathered allies or information they have by now to make some arrangements to help them out. This is the place when you have the hard task of judging how good the diplomacy of your player was. The adventure goes to the basic, the allies will make sure the slaves are guarded or escorted safely, which is important, but there are many many more opportunities to explore. Great roleplay and effort for gaining the help of the elves must be rewarded here. Magical items, powerful NPCs, forces of gnomes willing to support hard situations, renegade Darrow charging in combat to save the players, there are too many possibilities to explore in one video. Make sure you reward your players for the efforts they have done until now. And that leaves us to the city of the Kuatoa, the city of the glass pole. The DM needs to study it well and have a really good grasp of who does what when the players act. There are plenty of ways for your players to enter the city, hence the DM must adjust accordingly. At any time, if the players are causing the alarm to be off, many creatures have globes of light ready to throw them to the sky and inform of intruders, they will find themselves at a really tough spot. Darrow, Isens, Kuatos and Illithids will come en masse, joining them, the three dukes on their flying air-breathing Isens and reinforcements from all over the city, you understand how imperative it is for the players to remain hidden and silent. The important locations the players have to deal with are the statue of the Kuatua god, four stone giants that might help out the players if their charm is dispelled, the asylum that contains insane Kuatua that can easily be manipulated to attack their own kind, an awesome pool that charms people in its depths and actually is a death trap that leaves no resurrection possibility to the players, not even with the help of a whiz spell. The halls that houses the three duke priests, the slave bands with hundreds of slaves which have to be saved with one way or another, headquarters of the Illithids, that myriad of magical items along with a crown of Dero domination can be found here, items that enable extra layers of roleplay with the Dero in this place. The king's son, who is willing to ally with the players if persuaded to overthrow his father, adding a huge amount of information about this place to the list and even supports them in actual combats against the dukes or his father. And finally, the priest king is here along with his illithid priest, ready to fight to the death. In the end, if the players successfully cause havoc in the city, the remaining illithids will evacuate it, leaving the whole area to fall into chaos. The population will start to fight among themselves and eventually its existence will stop being a threat for the players, a major blow to the enemies, but still the war is not won. The gates to the Sunless Sea and entrance to the third and final book of this adventure will be found here and described on my future video. Thank you for being here, another monster of a video came to an end. 
thanks for the support and the subs. I'm closing to my first 500 subscriptions, which is an unreal number to my eyes. I think I might find some kind of special video to do for my 500. If you have any suggestions, please leave them down below in the comments. This was the RPG Loremaster and welcome to my pitch black table from the Underdark Darkness.